Yeah, so this is always one of the weirder episodes to me because we just jump into the thick of it with the end of the season and the play-in and then the playoffs. We usually do it right at the beginning of the second round when we don't have three or four games a day to keep up on because that's basically a full-time job in and of itself. And so we're so in the thick of the playoffs and what it takes to win in the playoffs and how they're just there's some guys you just can't play at all in the playoffs and now we're this is a great second round with eight fantastic teams all playing and it's just kind of like a shock back to reality be like oh wait there's this whole other part of the nba there's transactions <laughs> there are there are 22 other teams that are not currently playing exactly so we're going to start with shooting guards same way that we do with our position rankings go up the positional spectrum we'll finish with point guards in a future episode but let's start by talking about the free agent shooting guards and then of course we go through as well every team later so this will not be as much about where a guy can fit but maybe just more about where we see their value going forward it might be useful though danny just quickly say who are the teams that project to have more than the mid-level and then also which teams project to have the mid-level and which are just going to kind of be taxed out completely uh not to go through every team necessarily but if there's some really notable teams because for some of these guys who are looking for more than the mid-level they're in theory gonna have to have a landing spot sure uh i just pulled up the my word document of the last piece i wrote for the athletic on this topic just because it's easier for me um the teams that i i consider to have more cap space than that and like you i define it as more than the mid-level the pistons 30 35 million depending on where their draft pick ends up magic 30 million depending on a couple of things spurs and blazers up to 35 but it could be less depending on retentions josh yeah Hart, or, or even no cap room at all at all yeah just depending right. on I mean, that i think i think many particularly with anthony simons expect that the blazers may just stay over they've got josh hart they've got uh nurkic yeah so, and, then, and the spurs yeah. have lonnie walker and then the blaze the sorry the pacers might be in a similar boat depending on what happens with tj warren and they they could also trade players that are under contract depending on how everything goes and then you have the memphis grizzlies they depending on another few factors i see them having 16 to 18 million and they're to me the most interesting wrote a whole thing on them as the sleeping giant of the 2022 offseason then yeah and they they may even stay over as well they've got tyus jones and kyle anderson as guys that they could re-sign as well which would eat up most of their space so that's really bad news for any kind of like higher end players who want to leverage opportunities because there aren't that many teams and some of those teams i think potentially could be comfortable aiming high and then even rolling over whether that be retaining their own guys or just not you you know not using it San Antonio is a potentially good example there. I don't think I think Portland's going to have a different philosophy, and maybe even Orlando. Like they go after a couple offer sheets, and then they don't they don't go like fifty million guy just to to have them in the fold. Then in terms of teams that I expect project to use the to have the ability to use the full the full mid level, which we're looking at roughly ten point three million. I haven't adjusted. I haven't checked if it adjusted with the new cap estimate, but in that ballpark. And that group is the Hawks, the Rockets, the Timberwolves, the Knicks, the Thunder, the Kings, the Raps, and the Wizards, assuming Bradley Beal resigns. Um, and if he doesn't, and this is the shooting guard section, we will talk about him, then they become a cap space team. But that's not what I expect. And so that, 
that means we have roughly half the league with the taxpayer mid-level or even less than that. That group would be, you know, less than the full non-taxpayer mid-level. I have the Celtics, the Hornets, the Cavs, the Heat, the Pels, the Bulls, assuming Zach Levine re-signs. And then in the tax, Warriors, Nets, Clippers, Lakers, Bucks, Sixers, Suns, Jazz, Mavericks, and Nuggets. Knowing what we know right now, obviously some of these will change. Yeah, and this is starting to look very similar, at least in terms of the amount of space that there is out there to the 2018 offseason. However, the difference there was there are a lot more good free agents, I would say, that summer than there are this year. And that's something that we will get into right now. One of the more interesting ones on the board is Zach Levine, represented by Clutch. He recently said that he is going to enjoy the free agent process, probably not going to make all NBA, which would have made him eligible for a Supermax 35% of the salary cap. However, Zach Levine will be eligible for with eight years of experience coming off his extension. And remember, he didn't sign an extension because he was making really less than he could have made now. That's why he's getting to free agency. And the 120% of what he was making just wouldn't have been enough. So he will be eligible for a five-year deal with the Bulls. 8% annual raises starts at $33.7 million projected and a total of $195.6 million in all. One big consideration for Levine, and this is... Oh, I'm sorry. No, I misspoke there. That was last year. Uh, It is $212 million. Starts at 36.6. Sorry, I was looking at last year's numbers there. Got it. Uh, Um, But so where I wanted to go with Levine is there is a distinct possibility that he would be interested in timing out his next unrestricted free agency with when he will be eligible for the 35% max. So it's it's a risk premium thing here. He's not the level of player to me of Anthony Davis and LeBron obviously did something like this. And basically there you're, you're timing your free agency so that, you know, he's not probably as we expected going to be eligible for the Super the 35% maximum ahead of time. But if he signed a shorter contract, let's say a two plus one, so two years with a player option on the third, then he could then he could be unrestricted at that time. Levine just turned 27, so that would mean he would be 29 at that juncture. And he's improved a lot over the last couple of years. So that to me, not that we we're gonna get into the team by team stuff too much, to me that would be very bad news for the Chicago Bulls if he wanted to take a shorter term contract because the biggest things that that Chicago can offer that other teams cannot with him getting the 30% max everywhere are higher raises, which means which matters more. You could think of it in later years because you can get more of a raise over time and a longer contract. And so if the longer contract doesn't interest him, then you get that. Now, I think Chicago is still in a good position with Levine and those comments about wanting to enjoying free agency are are apt. And this is the first time that he's going to get unrestricted free agency. Remember, he signed that offer sheet with the Kings that the Bulls matched. And boy, do they look good doing it as much as I went crazy at the time thinking it was way too much money. So what Levine wants in terms of contract length and what he wants in terms of destination will be extremely important. Yeah, surely you would think San Antonio, Orlando, Detroit, I think he would be a very good fit in all of those places, quite frankly. But uh, it doesn't seem like he wants to go to kind of a downgrade. This is a good market. They took big steps forward this year. 
surely it seems the bulls will offer him that five-year deal maybe he gets a player option levine at this point though still only 27 and given how young he is coming off only a four years i think the idea of getting back on the market again holds some appeal that does seem kind of a clutch way to do it but also remember anthony davis pretty similar age to him took the five-year deal and i think to me if i'm zach levine i would take the five-year deal hopefully get a four plus one but with this knee soreness that he's had probably going to need to have offseason surgery or at least be limited in how much he's going to be able to work this offseason already had the torn acl i think that he i would just take the five years particularly because he's not an obvious all nba player at this point he is he's got a high skill level but he also is somewhat reliant on athleticism if i were his agent i would counsel him to take the five years and really you're you might say hey at 29 he could get another five-year deal but you're still only 30 really when it would come time to extend if you got the player option as well so i I think and then in terms of like a sign and trade if there's somewhere else that he wanted to go there really you mentioned the teams that are available and have the mid-level potentially that's also kind of a good proxy for who could potentially do a sign and trade because obviously if you're over the tax apron then you can't receive a player in a sign and trade and so most of the like real marquee destinations if you wanted to go there those teams are so deep into the tax it would be extremely difficult to work a, a sign and trade potentially um also the bulls have no reason to want to do that as well like they would like to retain levine and continue to build around he and demar Derozan. yeah i think that i think that's totally fair and there is always the element i mean jeremy grant is a great example of this of what does a player want how do they perceive risk and you brought up anthony davis i think that's very apt so and also the reality which will be very prevalent in some of the other players we'll discuss soon that the more common path and i think this is going to continue moving forward is sign the contract get your money locked up and then if you you want to move later on move later move later on and that's a good way to transition into bradley beal for sure and beal another player who what he wants is going to be so central here it's for for all of his public pronouncements and the contracts that he signed and extensions he signed throughout the years it seems like what he has wanted is to play for the washington wizards he has a 37.3 million dollar player option however he could opt out get a lot more money long term and everything else and also have more control over his destination should he want to wield that however one of the other options on the table is to secure a long-term contract from the Washington Wizards depending on what they want and then eventually make his way to another destination yeah and Miami has been rumored as a possible sign and trade destination unless they were willing to move Kyle Lowry though I think that probably ends up being too difficult yeah because they're hard they would be hard capped as any team would be through acquiring a player via center like an opt-in and trade even but even that gets logistically difficult with with Miami's money right it, it does I mean hero would have to be hero and Duncan Robinson only gets you to 21 million it's probably better served for the heat section but again we went through the list of teams the cap space teams where Bradley Beal would want to go. I guess maybe some of this comes down to what happens with the Wizards. Are the Wizards, is Ted Leonsis going to blink and offer not offer him the five-year deal or even a four-plus one? He's 29, struggled last year. Given where the Wizards are now, you would say, okay, they should have traded him. Now, it seems like if he is going to get traded, it could be a sign and trade. They could still get some stuff back for him. So you have to kind of weigh, hey, if we get this guy in this deal... Could we trade him later? He also, by the way, 
would be eligible if he signs a new contract for a no trade clause Mm -hmm. which could make things extremely difficult i under no circumstances am i giving him that if i'm the wizards so and, and that's a massive deal for him he's eligible for even more than Levine. he's got 10 years of experience now and so that deal that he could be eligible for five years 247.7 million dollars starting at 42.7 million ending with 56.4 in the 26 27 season when he will be 34 by the end of that season oof yeah i mean that's obviously going to be a terrible contract and i didn't see enough from beal honestly this last season to see that he's even worth 42.7 million in this first year particularly given how much uh, his three-point shooting has declined over the last few years and how inexplicable that whole thing is and that's what he's going to need to do more of it as he gets older so do, if the wizards blink at that then where is he at is he is it sign and trade is it opt in and trade which as you mentioned makes things easier then he can go to a team that's over the tax of course you need to have matching salary as well you got to get to 80 percent of that 42.7 million if that's what the contract is going to be would they offer him more along the lines of a five-year deal at 30 percent of the cap rather than 35 percent of the cap would that be something that would appeal to him this situation is really going to be very odd and i very much liken it to the kemba walker situation from 2019 where it seems like both sides are on the same page for the whole time and then they realize what that next thing would be and then it falls apart quickly i think that's a possibility yeah and i think beal is about the same level of player that kemba was at that point in time although the difference is that that 2019 offseason was so seminal and there are so many teams with space he had a a landing spot in boston he could have gone to dallas like he had good cap space landing spots which beal doesn't really have this time around speaking of a lack of good cap space landing spots james Harden Harden, situation is very complicated i i'm working on a piece should be out some point in the next couple days of the athletic about this situation i think the most interesting nuance here and we've seen a little bit of tentative reporting here is the concept of whether either side here is willing to or you know like where where is the max in this conversation is it max or nothing like chandler parsons is it i'll take a little bit less and that matters because i mean philly's pretty pot committed here they traded for harden it's very difficult to get anything resembling the value that they gave up for him either to replace him if he just straight up walks as a free agent or via opt-in slash sign-in trade but that doesn't mean and daryl morey of course intense history with james harden with the rockets years and then trading for him here so harden has leverage and it's also fair to argue that the money they spend on him, it makes things harder for them with the cap and the tax moving forward. But with Embiid on his contract, it's not like Philly was going to be this spending power destination. If Harden takes $30 million instead of $40 million, then that $10 million saves them money, but it doesn't really get him better teammates, is the way that I would phrase it. So I'm very interested in whether there is a middle ground here that is not the maximum, and if so, how close to the max is it? Yeah, and it's particularly particularly fraught because surely when James Harden essentially forced his way to Philadelphia there's an understanding that he's going to get paid and get paid what he wants and Daryl has always had this incredible soft spot for James Harden but even he has to be watching these playoffs right is he just going to excuse it because of the hamstring or whatever and James Harden at this point he's 32 turns 33 over the summer 
and he hasn't been the greatest at taking care of his body and losing a step. Everybody always talks about losing a step for athletic players like his former teammate, Russell Westbrook. I think of it as a bigger problem sometimes for less athletic players because then they they lose they lose something that makes it easier to recover against them. And I think we've already seen some of that with Arden this year. Also, you know, he's making 32, 33 percent of his three pointers. That was 36, 37 in his best seasons. That's a little bit of a difference. And of course, he's not getting to the line nearly as much. So I I don't think there's much of a chance that Harden signs a next contract that I will think is positive value, but that's also not where the Sixers are. That's not where he is, but I, I just don't know. Yeah, and James Harden has not really shown the ability to adjust his game as he's gotten older. He still does the exact same things. It's drive sometimes, it's pick and roll, it's shoot a step back, and we're not seeing him post-op or really work in the mid-range at all which I, I honestly think he should do a lot of like the way he can create space with his the size of his body like he actually and he could even like shoot a pull-up mid-range too like seeing like the way that Chris Paul has been able to extend his career with that shot I really wish that Harden did that but he seems to just have continued to grow into this caricature of himself and so let's say Philly gets swept out here by Miami you know we're, we're maybe a little bit premature on this but you know, we got to get through all 30 teams. So sorry, we're doing this now. Philly is going to have leverage over him to some degree. The question is just, and I think it's also actually kind of interesting maybe that he doesn't have an agency, at least still as far as I know, because if they do kind of retract a little bit on him in terms of like what they may have offered him when he came there or not offered him, but promised the him. Un- or, the understanding. Right. That there's maybe less blowback for that if he's not doesn't have this powerful agent who's also going to apply that to everyone else ultimately though i think he's probably going to just get paid that seems like what's probably going to happen that he doesn't but he doesn't have leverage other than just hey you said you'd take care of me like he's i mean what would it be what do you think he actually deserves danny in terms of a contract like if you're like hey this is going to compensate him for his production or, or not even that, but just a contract where you're like, I would feel comfortable giving him this, where maybe it's kind of the standard thing where he's about properly paid the first couple of years and then he's overpaid the last couple of years. I mean, that's that's pretty standard. That happens, you know? What is that actual number to you? Like, would it be, I don't know. What do you think? I don't, don't want to poison the well here with my thought. I was looking at offensive EPM and Harden this year ended the ended the season at 15th there. And there were a couple of players above him who you could, you know, maybe maybe see a downturn on. And then also a couple of players who didn't play at all this year, you know, like Kawhi Leonard and, and a few others that, you know, that could they could theoretically move up there. So if, especially if you're accounting for a little bit of age, you know, some some age regression, but also the cap going up, I would say that type of player going into his age 33 season would be in the 25 to 30 range, depending on how you how quickly you see the cap rising. Chris Paul, interestingly enough, had the 44 million for this year opted out of that and then got basically a four-year deal for 120 but the last year and a half of that are not guaranteed so it's basically 75 million dollars guaranteed a little bit of inflation here with it's the 25 26 season is when a new tv deal would jump in so you still have three seasons before that's only the fourth season of any of these contracts we're talking about are impacted by the new tv deal and but there's going to be some inflation cap is going up 
Although Chris Paul, in theory, probably had more options last offseason than James Harden has this year. So that would kind of be in the range for me. Somewhere in the, and maybe because Harden's a little younger than Paul, although I would argue Chris Paul is playing at a higher level than James Harden last year and this year. Maybe not last year. Harden was pretty good in the regular season last year. So, yeah, I mean, I think something along the lines of, like, fair would be, like, $120 million guaranteed. Not uh, double that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that gets into something that I think is, uh, and this will be in the piece, that I think is a important element should Harden be willing to take less than his max is how do you structure this? And the normal thing would be, you know, you could opt out and pick the years and, you know, kind of kind of give the Sixers some leverage or some latitude in terms of structuring it. However, though, if, if Daryl Morey wanted my advice, the way that I would actually do it were you to negotiate those terms and you could do it ahead of Harden's option decision, I would have him opt in count and then you know kind of consider that and then drop it off more significantly the upside the downside for the Sixers there is that you're paying the tax in 22-23 but the upside is Harden's deal would be so much cheaper after that which if in terms of a trade or in terms of just balancing your books would be a lot better that requires negotiating these things ahead of time and actually technically speaking due to extended trade rules depending on the duration you would probably have to actually delay that a little bit but that's totally fine there's no risk for James Harden that he's going to opt in and then they can't actually put pen and paper until mid-August and then oh no something happens and they just cut him loose well as long as he just doesn't forget to opt in <laughs> again yeah that's but do, the you, other do you agree with me that if, if let's say let's say Harden was going to take 30 to 35 million a year that it would be better to bite to bite the bullet now pay a little bit more for cheaper later years yeah all depends on what ownership's appetite is for the tax what other moves you have available and that's going to be a big part of this too i think that's why in the end he probably hasn't opted in is because if he wants to opt out if they have a potential sign and trade if they can move tobias harris or bring in some other pieces around them that might or they have a great full mid-level exception guy that they could sign or something like that like so there's i think a lot of this is also going to depend on just what options maury has at this point in time contavious caldwell pope is the only guy i have classified as a starter by the way the way i usually do this when i make this list is superstar that was zach levine star bradley beal and harden starter the only one of those i have here at the moment is contavious call hope but he probably will be retained he's got five million out of his 14 million as a partial guarantee i think they'll keep him on that contract and he'd probably be tradable on that anyway the same sure way i mean richardson was yeah that's that's the for me the idea with the wizards is it's first of all is is he kind of worth 10 million in in version because that's the difference between the full guarantee and the partial guarantee and would he theoretically be tradable on that contract i think the answer to both of those is yes and it's a similar story moving into the rotation line with james harden's teammate danny green danny green is non-guaranteed at 10 million i would hope that a team would be interested in danny green though you could also see if the sixers didn't want to keep him around for whatever reason that they could just do him kind of a solid and just let him let him go and choose his own destination but i don't think they owe him that yeah his guarantee date is july 1st so I think Daryl will have it pretty mapped out what he wants to do at that point. Like, I think he he's actually having a pretty good playoff so far. And obviously at his age, regular season, it's hard for him to play that many minutes. But I wouldn't blanch at $10 million still well, and, and for him. since it's not a team option, it is a non-guarantee. That means that what this would look like is Philly cutting him and then Green would have to go through the waiver process and you'd get to see whether a team would claim him. Yeah, which is unlikely. They would need a trade exception or... 
cap space and none of the teams with that much cap space would want to spend 10 million dollars on Danny Green I would imagine so they could potentially bring him back though they would lose bird rights on him at that point once they cut him so it would be hard to pay him but yeah it all a lot of it depends on the team's appetite for luxury tax as well but but what i think yeah. is what i think is notable you brought up the high the high powered players in this class and we talked about kcp a little bit there aren't any other players that are unrestricted for agents and i would argue as much as i like colin sexton will do the restricted players after um he's he's kind of a different thing especially after the injury that there's nobody else that's really plug and play into a starter role. There are players that could work their way into that or in a certain circumstance could be high utility, but no one that is a set it and forget it. And so if you're at four players at an entire positional group like that, three of which are kind of outside of the realm of normal free agents, teams that are looking, you know, those capsule teams we discussed, any of them that are looking to upgrade at the two, it's slim pickings. Yeah, last year we had a lot more of these guys who were clear kind of well I shouldn't say clear but ended up getting 20 million or so a year at this position that's not going to be the case this year I do think Gary Harris is someone that teams should be looking at extremely closely Harris had a bounce back year to some degree in Orlando was able to stay healthy played 61 games 28 minutes a game and bounced back to 38 percent from downtown did that on 6.3 three-point attempts per 36 minutes just a little bit below the positional average of seven but good enough considering how good gary harris's defense is i think there are a lot of contending teams that should look very very closely at him and i don't know if he's going to get this because he's just been off the radar but i would actually be considering him maybe not on a long-term deal but at something maybe around the mid-level and, and it wouldn't shock me honestly if the denver nuggets who will be in the tax i imagine that denver would love to have that guy back especially especially with a closer to full strength iteration of the team he's a wonderful fit for what they want to do well and they just desperately need his defense on the perimeter so i mean i would he would probably start for them and they'd probably just go back to bringing will barton off the bench i would imagine um so i i like harris if and he shot it a little bit better from two this year too so i he looked like he was able to maybe reestablish things and i think a lot of teams and his game if he's making shots is perfectly situated for some contenders who are some of the other guys who intrigue you here on this rotation level and, and I, I do think harris could potentially start but i think he's going to get paid more at that kind of rotation level than start sure. level. and that's a part of this as well as what do we think a guy's contract is going yeah. to be uh for me right right and, and quickly when i rate a guy as like a starter part of it's subjective to me but it's sort of thinking of like all right i would be willing to give you know a three-year contract at kind of the market rate 15 million or above for what you would pay for a starter unless it's like a super old guy maybe it would be less than that but where a team is just going to bring this guy in and be like yes this is our solution and we are paying him like that over the next three to four years Um, yeah who else do you want to talk about though bruce brown brown you know signed the qualifying offer and part of that is to become an unrestricted free agent i would say through a lot of the year we expected he would have significant leverage with the brooklyn nets who are an extremely shallow team and also don't have any real salary ballast 
we don't know Josiah's willingness to spend, but they just brought in another limited shooter defense first player in Ben Simmons. And one of the theories of the 2022-23 Brooklyn Nets is that Ben Simmons will be like a super Bruce Brown. And so does he have the leverage on the Nets to secure that contract? And who else is interested? You know, who is going to give Bruce Brown? Is anybody interested at more than the full mid-level? Is anybody interested at the full mid-level? I'm going to guess no. I think he'll be in a pretty similar range to that qualifying offer that he took last year, which was 4.7. And yeah, he is somewhat redundant with Ben Simmons, but for him to be redundant with Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons has to actually like be on the floor. And and they do have pretty similar ways of playing. Obviously, Ben is bigger than him. And, and Brown, I think, does have a unique value on this team. He would maybe on the Warriors as well. But you got to have, really, he's almost playing either the four or the five offensively. But then he can guard. I mean, he's pretty similar to Gary Payton the second, actually, in a lot of ways, who is also on this list at 29. Hopefully he can recover from what's looking like a fractured elbow at this point uh the warriors will have bird rights on gary payton the second and it's just a question of how much they want to use but it's just i'm not disputing the value of bruce brown and gary payton the second to their teams it's just simply that there aren't that many teams that they would have that type of a value on right because they're guards who are defense first who can't run an offense and you need you need a lot of other pieces in place before you get those players and generally speaking teams don't have those pieces in place or the flexibility to add somebody at that kind of a price point so yeah i think it's going to be hard for both of them i am impressed especially in many ways with gary payton his you know working his way into that kind of a role and it's so unfortunate with the fractured elbow but i it i don't see especially unfortunately now that it doesn't look like Peyton's going to play a huge part in the Warriors playoffs after this point, probably not have a role at all that he's going to like, I talk a lot about how restricted free agency is about falling in love, but low end unrestricted free agency is kind of the same thing. And so who is, who is that team? Who is that general manager? Who is that team? That's like, this is the one guy that we really need, even if he could help a fair number of teams. Victor Oladipo to me has looked pretty good in these playoffs. He's going to have a chance to show out a, a little bit. The heat will have full bird rights on him. It does seem like the heat are probably going to trade Duncan Robinson. Whether they make a move that would hard cap them will be interesting because Oladipo's cap hole is going to be very small for them. It'll just be the minimum, but they will have for full bird rights in him. So that gives him some value for them. Also just seems like that's been part of the deal that he could be brought back there. And I think Oladipo, particularly if he's just willing to play more of a role and not trying to get himself a maximum extension and being the type of player who's just turning down $85 million extensions, over a hundred million dollars yeah i guess his initial contract was eight million like he turned down i think over like he the maximum extension he could have gotten the reporting indicates from the pacers but we'll see how this goes for him if he's healthy and the medical reports uh, check out he's someone i might be willing to consider in kind of that mid-level exception range potentially he doesn't he's not elite in any one area i don't think maybe defensively hounding the ball a little bit still but he does enough that i think he can be a solid solid rotation shooting guard who can do it on both ends and maybe even a starter josh hart has this fascinating contract structure where 20 they're not gonna not we should probably even talk about him right he's not gonna get i hope i hope not and, and if they, he's not guaranteed so if if josh hart gets waived someone should claim him. well yeah and i mean so that's the thing that that's a big part of why i think portland's just gonna stay over at a minute if they don't want him they could trade him at that number sure. he's he had a very nice year um he did. and and yeah he's improved a lot and it's hard to find players because he's a, he can be a little more wingy than some of the other guys on this list like i was looking at Bryn forbes significantly more wingy than Bryn forbes 
let's put it that way yeah malik monk for the lakers they don't have an exception or, or they don't have any kind of bird rights on him to bring him back he signed for the minimum i would imagine they would want him back there but they also have far bigger needs to me than a shooting guard who probably can't defend in the playoffs he was sort of their maybe fourth best player this year just by default and i don't really think of him as a playoff guy he's a, a, made himself into a solid offensive shooting guard but he someone has never played in the playoffs would get i think completely picked apart there he is a, a shot maker certainly i think a rotation quality shooting guard probably not a starter due to some of his defensive limitations so he's the kind of guy who might get the mid-level somewhere but to me probably wouldn't deserve it and i, I still think of him as kind of more in the five to eight million dollar range but maybe their teams are just hey we desperately need some scrolling he would be a nice fit on say the pistons as just these there are a lot of teams that need that sort of microwave scorer type that he's proven to be and particularly if you're not really like trying to win at the highest levels i think he could be a nice piece still only 24 as well if you had to predict what he gets what would you say like guaranteed money Oof. six six per season yeah i mean i think he's gonna get between 25 and 40 million really guaranteed i don't think he's gonna deserve it but i think that he could get something like that like he's just the exposure of being on the lakers even and you know he, he had a ton of shots this season so uh anybody just among we don't need to get down here too much a couple of other guys uh Bryn Forbes and Damian Lee I think Lee can be at 29 could be a solid rotation shooting guard he was that before Clay Thompson came back this year people have kind of forgotten about him Forbes he he helped Denver's season he can be a solid off the bench shot maker for 15 minutes a game so should be kind of right in the range that he's been this kind of five million three to five million dollar range uh, and I would actually pay Lee around that as well. I, I think he's going to be more of a minimum guy, though, just doesn't have the brand. Uh, anybody else who's unrestricted that you just kind of like here that teams should maybe take a flyer on? I've always been a fan of Rodney Magruder. I think that, you know, for a, you know, probably not going to get much more than the minimum, if, if not more than at all than the minimum. Yeah, he, he reestablished his career. Like the Pistons actually were better when he played this season, was back up at 40% from three, played 51 games. Yeah, I think he should could still be in a rotation. He's a, a tough guy. Only this age 31 season, like I think he'll be at the minimum, but he should certainly have a job at least. Can Tim Connolly bring back both PJ Dozier and Gary Harris to just bring the band back together? Yeah, PJ probably won't be ready to start the season, you'd think. I think he tore his ACL in November, and so he'll probably be on a minimum deal, but he can handle the ball and defend still needs to work obviously on his jumper but a, a lower end rotation guy when healthy and at only 25 he should be so yeah he, he was the other one that i was going to mention there as well edmund sumner as well coming off a of torn achilles never really i mean he's a great defensive one two type defender good transition score when healthy couldn't really hit shots achilles is not great for someone like him who was explosive in a straight line but certainly someone i would be looking at and he i think actually tore his in a workout over the summer last year so in theory should be ready for camp how about the restricted line? Colin Sexton is in such a complicated scenario where they, the Cavs, you could argue they functionally replaced him while injured with Karis LeVert, 
who is extension eligible this offseason, and who boy is that going to be fascinating. But Sexton, I don't think of him as a particularly strong fit with any of those cap space teams to give like the is there a Lonzo Ball type destination of a team that and Chicago, remember they did it ended up doing it differently because of DeMar DeRozan and everything else. But I don't love him as a fit with the Pistons. I mean, with the Magic, with somebody who could create good shots would be useful, but Sexton is not the most wonderful passer. They have a lot of players who I think could use a, a high end, a high end passer. And yeah, Sexton, Sexton is twenty three. It's tough to say whether should he be on shooting guards or point guards. But we also have Anthony Simons, who he'll be competing with against, also twenty three. Simons to me is probably going to do better, but it seems like the Blazers will re-sign him. I think Sexton. There's a feeling that he might be gettable, as clearly the Cavs didn't seem to value him too much in his extension negotiations. And then he immediately got hurt and they completely changed the direction of their team with the the season that they had this year so yeah that's the question to me is like i think he actually would be an okay fit in detroit detroit really needs someone like him what do you think what do you think Saxon gets I think it's a lot less than he's hoping and a lot less they're expecting, even though I don't worry about this injury like recurring or becoming a huge thing. It's just that absence in the case of young players doesn't necessarily make the heart grow fonder for free agency. I, if I had to ballpark it, I think it's going to be around 20 million a year. Yeah, I kind of had the 70 million guaranteed number in my mind. So that would be 17 and a half a year. Yeah, that would be and, fascinating and if the, he gets... The, the, like, the other yeah. huge problem for Sexton is I like to think of the field of sign-in trades or like kind of the available field for pending restricted free agents as the cap space teams plus the teams that have the full mid-level because the hard cap rules mean that everybody else just can't really do much. And yes, they could. The, the, there's a group that's kind of like the heaven and earth group. Like if they wanted to get Colin Sexton, they really could. Like you could do that. But so I don't think of... Of the Hawks, the Rockets, the Wolves, the Thunder, the Kings, the Raps. The Raps are actually a little bit interesting. And the Wizards as like great Colin Sexton destinations, maybe the Knicks, maybe the Kings. But even then, like those teams have investments in other guards and everything else. They might have different free agent priorities either way. So it's just like, where is where is this offer coming from? And for Sexton, there's also a significant risk signing a really short-term deal, taking your qualifying offer because... Cleveland is presumably intending for Karis LeVert to be their starting two guard. And then unless they're going to start Garland, LeVert, and Sexton together, the Sexton Vert or whatever the name of that group would be, then you're coming off the bench and trying to build your value for 23 unrestricted for agency. Yeah, and taking the qualifying offer is a non-starter for him because he didn't make the starter criteria as well. So that's going to be really low for him. It's going to be in the, I think the, I, I got to look at exactly what that number is, but probably a little less than 5 million this year and yeah it's just a question for sexton is he and you know he had that crazy year with uh, almost 25 points a game and above average true shooting two years ago and you don't want to sneeze at that but he does have a lot of defensive limitations and passing limitations he's a quality scorer at the shooting guard and you'd say hey that isn't the bidding for that 20 million a year but he doesn't have the same level of size he's probably worse defensively than most of those guys even someone along the lines of a hardaway jr then you threw in that he's restricted as well he kind of needs the ball some but he can also create in a way that's different than those guys 
he can shoot but he's not that's not his number one thing is to really be a high level of bomber from outside the number of three-point attempts that he gets up are not the same so he he's just a difficult fit but he also has shown this raw scoring ability and what is the league think of that is the league just think of him as like all right this guy's going to be the evolutionary lou williams and he gets paid appropriate to that in the low teens the way which is kind of the inflation adjusted amount that lou was getting paid or are we talking about someone who gets it like to me 20 seems like kind of the high end and then cleveland also has could have 32 million in cap space in the summer of 2023 that he would eat into and so would lavert right and so would lavert and then there's the would you be playing these guys off against one another and clearly cleveland does need more like they need what he provides it, he's gonna be a really fascinating guy is he just gonna get squeezed kind of kendrick nunn style and ending up just taking the mid-level somewhere to even get a, any kind of a sheet at all if he gets that would he just go does he need to lock in the money or is he get would he just take the qualifying offer at that point would cleveland offer him I and mean, cleveland would offer him like 14 or 15 million you would think right so it's it's going to be really interesting to see where he gets but i i do see i could see him struggling to get more than 20 million i think that's the high point of his range personally but you never know in these situations they're incredibly hard to calibrate and lottie walker isn't a similar situation but i think he's going to have our time it's about falling in love and lonnie walker definitely intriguing physical tools but i haven't seen the foundation of a clear starting level player so far with him whereas dante divincenzo did wasn't asked to do an absolute ton on the bucks in 2020 21 but he was a you know he was a starter for them and the team that or sorry the 20 yeah 2020 21 when they won and then his injury and subsequent you know getting marginalized by the kings and everything else is i'm sure it was hard for him personally but it also means that it a, a t i think that a team is going to get a bargain with divincenzo which is good for the team but bad for him yeah seems like he'll be in that high quality backup range maybe third guard range but i don't see him you know, in the 30 to 40 million guaranteed type of range would be the highest i would expect for him and seems like sacramento would probably want to bring him back he shot it a little bit better there i mean especially at that kind of price what you can do with divincenzo is just make the make the asset play and bring him back you have the minutes in your rotation and then if he does well either keep him or move him on at that point as opposed to letting him go for below market yeah and divincenzo 7.83 point attempts per 36 minutes he did hit 37 percent and is 665 minutes with the kings and whoever they bring in is going to be a defensive coach probably going to like him sacramento probably didn't trade for him to not bring him back and it's just going to be a question of what the number is that he is he going to want to i mean because people were talking about him getting in that starting shooting guard level of money and then obviously last year happened and looks like it's going to be less than that would he demand a short-term deal as well and then for walker I think his situation, this was on an extension, but maybe somewhat analogous to like a Jeremy Lamb when he was first coming off of his rookie deal, just hasn't been efficient yet has athleticism a little spacey defensively could potentially be molded san antonio with their cap space aspirations i don't remember them actually even getting to restricted free agency and then bringing a guy back kyle anderson they actually just didn't match the offer sheet let him go to memphis i think he could probably be had if he and the spurs 29 million in cap space doesn't include his cap hold if they want to do something moving on from him is probably gonna have to happen so i could and san antonio historically doesn't just like 
really try to put the screws to guys and restricted free agency i could see them just being like all right lonnie you know it didn't work out here if you have somewhere that you want to sign we're not going to like keep you around and match it like we don't we're not going to force someone to be here or doesn't want to be here that seems to be the approach they have a lot of times so my prediction would be that he's not on the spurs next year and it, it also makes yeah. things significantly more palatable for san antonio that they have a fair like they have a, even with the Derek white right they still have plenty of guards in the rotation vassell has stepped into a war larger role if they want to keep josh richardson they can josh primo they already drafted in the first round last year so they i think they've already kind of replaced lonnie walker for the most part well the question then becomes for walker is just most of the teams that are looking to use their mid-level are trying to win he's not really a winning player at this point in time do you really expect those teams to pick him up maybe he just ends up really getting squeezed and ends up kind of in the five million per season range or just has to come back with his tail between his legs not finding anything to the spurs and as you mentioned yeah i mean it seems like with primo having kind of passed him but maybe it's just he he doesn't have a market at all and the spurs have bird rights on him and just end up bringing him back possibly and they they would do that for less than his capital his capital is 13 million he's not going to get that i would imagine but maybe if the Spurs don't have anything else they can do in free agency, then you could see him come back on a one-year deal or something like that too. And this is just a name that I liked among some of these lower-end guys. Traveling Queen, he's on a two-way with the Rockets. Actually, I think he was G League playoffs MVP. And I just liked what I saw from him at the end of some garbage time games. As a guy who can shoot it, got some pretty good athleticism. He's 25 already, but I think he's someone who can be a player. I might just try to poach him on a low-level deal in free agency, but usually that doesn't happen on these guys who are on two ways. Anybody else on this list of restricted guys that you just think are kind of interesting? How Troy Brown's brand has fallen. Oh, God. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be on a minimum, if that. I'll tell you what, though. If I'm one of these teams, either Miami or New Orleans come to mind, Josh Okoge is someone that I would be trying to get my hands or, on. Or, that guy's or Toronto. A monster. Yeah, that guy's a monster defensively. He was out of the rotation for the Wolves by the end. But if you could teach that guy to shoot at all, you're going to have something. How many roster spots a year would you use as the New Orleans Pelicans, as long as Fred Vincent's on the staff, just for if this guy could shoot, he would be 10 times better? I think you burn at least two roster spots a year on that, honestly. Yeah. Quindary Weatherspoon, who's on a, a two-way with the Warriors, would be in that category for me, too, because he's a, a good defensive guards guard as well. Yeah, that's about it as as far as guys that really stick out to me. Well, this is very interesting. Let's go ahead and bang out the small forwards real quick here because oh, because there are none of them. Because this, I mean, we say this every year, but it's even worse this year. The only player that I look at as potential starter quality at the moment is T.J. Warren. The news was that he was healthy; he could have maybe come back to play. There was no reason for him or the team to that. Maybe there was a reason for him to prove he was healthy. It does. It kind of feels like. He could just be back in Indiana, and and it, I think he's going to want to go on a short-term deal at age 28 to just prove that he's back. Because if he plays the way that he played before the injuries, we're talking about a guy who's $20, 25000000 million a year. Also, he has a clear spot within the Pacers rotation. They no longer are employing Nate Bjorkren, so he can be fine with that. But TJ Warren hasn't played in a basketball game since December 29th, 2020. It has been a while for him. And it's true that he potentially could have come back and... There are some, you know, extenuating circumstances in that case. Also, Warren, I actually think of him as more of a power forward than a small forward, but there are no small forwards, and he can defend both positions mostly shittily, so that's okay. 
And but wait, wait, Warren Warren defends both positions shittily. I thought he was really good. Uh, uh, his that that 2019-20 season. He in, was better. Indiana. I don't. I I, th- I thought he was good. I thought he was actually I, like a I revelation there. As I'm remembering, it was also a long time ago. I may have forgot. I may have. I've forgotten. That I was like be- a big storyline of like I, I think Hollinger and I were talking about it. Just like oh, wow, where did this defense come from for him in, in Indiana? Like how amazing is it that Nate McMillan got him to defend? I I'd have to I have to go back and parse my memory banks. I do, you you have a better more encyclopedic memory of these things than I do. So I will acknowledge that i may be just yeah. be remembering well, well that's i know he was a, bad in phoenix but i'm trying to remember yeah. that year in indy and for indy, as I mean, a father let's uh this memory is going to be disappearing very quickly here so let's take yeah, advantage but, of it while yeah we, we can, can take we can take one hot second i mean so that year in indiana 61 percent true shooting on 23 usage and that included shooting shooting 40 percent on threes Still, you know, we could see that rate go up, but 58% on twos that year, which was pretty, pretty incredible. And so even, even if he, you know, has a regression from that defensive player that he was for one year in Indiana, still a lot there. And for, yeah, I agree with you that for Warren, he is a, he is a, like a, a short-term contract, try to make good. And that presents, I mean, Indiana is the logical landing spot. They have full bird rights on him. They have a place within their rotation for him, especially with the Sabonis trade so not a hard thing to to fit him in and also would a team like i don't know memphis or detroit have an interest in a make good when depending on what you give him early bird non-bird might be enough to bring him back but then like the grizzlies for example like John Morant's about to get a lot more expensive. Jaron already got his extension. So it would be a swing for somebody like Zach Kleiman to make if this guy is better than we could usually get with our money. But how likely are we to actually be able to keep him is a yeah. question. Well, well, maybe if you're the Grizz, because he does fit into me exactly what they could use uh, with another score and And someone who could defender. slide between both forward positions because then when you play Jaron at the five versus when you play yeah. him at the four. So, you know, if they have 19 million in cap space, although again, what do you do at backup point guard? maybe they could just use the mid-level to get ties i mean if if tj warren like i would if i were the grizz i would say all right i'll give you one year 19 million tj and hey then we can bring you back with non-bird rights if it works out for a couple of years maybe their long-term salary structure wouldn't well i guess they really only would have because he could also maybe give them insurance on dylan brooks leaving or something like that it yeah th- that would be an interesting thought it is a nice match it does seem though again like warren's brand is not that great and having not played that much didn't play at that high of a level it's been a while since we've seen him all that stuff so it seems like him being back in indiana is kind of where this is headed the other guy who kind of reestablished himself to me is daniel house the jazz do not have any kind of bird rights on him i would imagine they would be very interested in bringing him back given how well he played but it's going to be a summer of change in utah it seems like and so i if i'm a good team i would be very interested in getting him into my rotation obviously there are some uh some concerns uh in the locker room with how he tried to throw some of his teammates under the bus and got kicked out of the bottle but uh I, I think you know at 29 like he's played easily the best defense of his career and he can hit some shots and drive but we didn't see as much of that in utah as we did in houston so another guy that i might you know my uh, he's he's someone i might be interested to bring in on like a one-year deal for the mid-level but i wouldn't want to go beyond that because he's just maybe too unreliable and also at 29 that's a little old for him to be given going out multiple years and he just doesn't have the track record he also really struggled with health in houston but i think he played at that level when he was in houston and i was 
because he got that initial deal it was only like three million a year and he played he's played in houston at the level of a guy who would be you know, mid-level exception type of player. Another partial guarantee decision that I think is more straightforward this offseason is maybe a little bit analogous to Contavious Cobble Pope is Kelly Oubre. The Hornets can pay him $5 million to play elsewhere or $12.6 million to play for them slash trade or whatever else there. And it depend, there is some variance in terms of what Charlotte's capacity to spend is with Miles Bridges' contract and everything else. We'll talk about him in the power forward section. Yeah, but, and they may just need some more room with Ubre as well. You'd think maybe he'd be tradable at that number. It just like Tell Ubre, I think, is just going to make twelve million dollars a year on short-term contracts for just the rest of his life. That's just what's going to happen. It seems like he's a sort of swing between like a starter and a seventh man, but at a valuable position. But how valuable is he really when he's not a great defensive communicator and help guy and takes some selfish shots? I mean, he did shoot you know over ten threes for thirty-six minutes this season and hit a decent percentage, which in theory is valuable. But his teams never seem to do that well when he's on the floor. I, I imagine that he's going to get that partial guarantee picked up. Pat Connaughton seems like he's going to just still be kind of in the range. He does have a player option for... 5.7. Yes. And he could opt into that and even potentially be extended by Milwaukee. He's 29 now. Is a player who's relying on his athleticism. Shot it way better this year. Just not a guy who I think they're going to bring in as a starter. But someone who could... Maybe you could see someone going mid-level for him. I'm I'm not sure. And definitely, it doesn't seem like four years either. Seems like he might be kind of in this like 20 million guaranteed range max over a three-year deal would be about where i'd see it ending up for him slight raise maybe depends what happens with the bucks and what their stomach for the taxes they have full bird rights on him so they can pay him anything they want it it feels like the bucks would have to bring him back if he opts out and potentially give him a raise then we have the trio of mid to late 30s veterans who have been valuable to their teams but kind of aren't going to get a ton of money. Iguodala is making the minimum with the Warriors and is currently dealing with an injury issue. Joe yeah, Ingles... It seems like he's either going to be retired or he'll be back at the minimum with the Warriors again. Yeah. It seems like that's it. Joe Ingles still recovering from his torn ACL. Yeah. Worth um, noting that happened in January, so probably going to be a minimum. He might be able to pick his minimum deals, but it's just tough when he can't be back until... And he already had really slipped defensively even before that, too, at age 34. So seems like he might get a, a minimum somewhere and be in someone's rotation but he can't come back until january anyway and he may he's also had suffered that injury at an age where he might just be done it's possible and then Wes matthews valued part of the milwaukee bucks this year it still is weird to me with kind of how everything went for him that he kind of got marginalized a fair amount of the time by the lakers and then doesn't get ton of a ton in free agency maybe he just wanted to go back to the bucks and then minimum there i will continue you know there are these players around the league where it's like i think think he should do better i think he should get more than he has but we'll have to see yeah and then again we're this is probably even scraping the bottom of the barrel to call iguodala angles as rotation guys and i'm hopeful that abdel nader can find a way to get healthy he got released by the suns always liked what he's been able to do but just after that knee issue and then he fought so hard to come back and really i think that negatively impacted his career to come back earlier than he should have and yeah really nobody else that i'm particularly enamored with and then you do have this trio of guys as restricted free agents 
that are in rotations. Kessler Edwards has a team option. He'll surely be back with the Nets. They probably just did that so because they didn't have exception money to sign him to a longer deal. So they just did the John Tay Porter of sign him team option, and then he'll probably get a four-year deal at the minimum, almost certainly from the Nets. And then Amir Coffey was signed off of a two-way. Is he actually, you know what? This might be outdated now. Let me double check. I think he signed a longer deal with them. Uh, no, yeah, they, he actually is a restricted free agent. But again, you would imagine it'll be that same thing where the Clippers didn't have the means to sign him to a longer deal and they'll do the same. And Caleb Martin with the Heat, once again, same thing for him. Got converted to an NBA contract and you know he'll get a real qualifying offer but you think again he'll get a longer term deal with the heat he's someone where maybe someone could swoop in on him and coffee maybe as well i would i would consider that but that also again could just kind of be part of the deal these guys all started on two ways this year and so it just seems like those guys all you you get converted to a long-term deal that's around the minimum and even if you have to go this team option route because they couldn't give you that contract right away it just ends up there but hey maybe it's someone can swoop in and try and poach those guys like to me i would be willing to go more than a minimum in an offer sheet for all three of those guys and yeah so that's uh the two and the three in the books always interesting to discuss that and for those of you listening on dunktown prime we'll be back later tonight to talk about tonight's games till then